I'm John Bruner from O'Reilly, and my guest today is William Plummer. He's the Chief Strategy Officer for Talking Data. Welcome, William. Good to have you on. Thanks so much for having me, John. Today we'll be talking about smart data. And if you're interested in learning more about smart data after listening to our discussion, be sure to check out the report called Implementing a Smart Data Platform. It's an O'Reilly report. It's available now, and you can find it through the link that accompanies this episode in the show notes. So today we'll be talking about smart data. And also, since William is based in Beijing, we'll be talking about the evolution of the data field in China as compared to the U.S. So, William, let's begin with uh, the, the groundwork here. You talk a lot about smart data as kind of the follow-on movement to the big data idea. Big data has been the term of art for a little while now. So what is smart data and how is it different from big data? Yeah, it's a, a great question, John. I think there are a few key distinctions that we at Talking Data make between smart data and big data. Uh, but first, I would even step back and look at it um, in terms of a broader trend of enterprise that enterprise services and, say, smart enterprise services. If you think of what services looked like in the enterprise era, um, these were principally you know, outstanding products uh, brought to the market by companies like SAP and Oracle, uh, but they're, and they were pro uh, principally products working with structured data sets and linear processes. I think what we've seen since that really exciting era now many years ago uh, is a couple of massive trends. One is the, the telco era, where we've seen a transformation of communication via the, the rollout of, of telecommunications globally. Uh, and we've also seen the advent of the consumer internet era. Both of these massive eras have created huge amounts of data. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what the first step that we've seen is enterprises collecting data from these, these two massive trends, the telco era uh, and the consumer internet era, and using them towards analytics. I think what we, I think what we see now is not is this wonderful marriage not only between these massive data sets uh, but also increasingly sophisticated tools uh, to process sort and make sense of that data so for our definition of smart data we really think of it as this the marriage between massive data sets uh, and data processing advancements and tools uh, in both machine learning and artificial intelligence. I think, and Andrew Ung, uh, a well-known AI expert, I think phrased it well uh, in, in a metaphor that he made about uh, artificial intelligence. It's, he saw data as really being, he saw artificial intelligence as being a rocket. And data principally is the fuel to the rocket, and the engine is the algorithm. Uh, but to really have the rocket, you need both to have the rocket take off, you need both together. And I think what's really exciting about what we've seen in recent developments in machine learning and artificial intelligence is the the engine, the algorithms have really advanced rapidly. Uh, and that's really essentially just making our data, um, when we say smart, I think what we really mean is more useful. Uh, it allows companies and particularly, you know, we, we see with our clients, to use and extract value from their data sets uh, in a way that helps them complete specific actions more efficiently. So this is an idea that I think is familiar to a lot of uh, listeners of these podcasts. 
Uh, a few years ago, everyone kind of uh, went out and said, you have to have big data. You have to collect this phenomenal amount of data that's uh, coming in through your web services or through other sort of you know connected uh, endpoints. And so everyone went out and did that and started gathering tons and tons of data. And then they realized that they couldn't really make sense of it. So is this the kind of the, the next era? Everyone has this data. They're sitting on it. And now they need to be more intelligent about analyzing it. I think that's exactly right. And I, I think that both in the U.S. and China, we're seeing uh, the, the next stage of data processing. Uh, once we've collected these massive data sets from, from various sources, and they uh, it can be first-party data sets, so uh, CRM data, it can be more efficient. As you highlighted, John, it can be data that they're collecting um, through web or app analytics. Uh, but they've now... They, they're now a number of enterprises are now sitting on a on a larger set of data, uh, mm -hmm. and I think that there are a broader set of services designed to extract extract value from that data. Uh, we see that in the U.S. with the proliferance of specialized AI companies, mm -hmm. uh, and we see that in China with platforms like Talking Data uh, that are really trying. What, what we try to do, John, is uh, we try to help companies think intelligently about their data, collect the data, analyze it, and then um, get them to specific actions that are helping their company run more efficiently. So speaking of uh, the work you're doing in China, how would you characterize the differences in the way that uh, Chinese companies, you know, especially the, you know, maybe your customers, big Chinese enterprises approach smart data compared to the way that uh, American companies might approach an idea like this? Great question. So so I think that we we just see a difference in capabilities. I think one of the, the core aspects is that many enterprises in China didn't really adapt as deeply the um, relational data data um, warehousing tools such as uh, Oracle or SAP. So I think what we're seeing in China is companies are using uh, the, the latest tools uh, in their big data strategy. And that's, again, that's, that's really exciting. So is this, uh, akin to the way that, you know, uh, areas that are early adopters of technology wind up sort of behind after a couple of generations because they have the legacy systems in place, whereas, uh, areas that adopt a technology a little bit later can, can, uh, go for the more sophisticated, the latest generation, uh, stuff like how the, the sort of mobile economy is a lot more developed in, in China than in the U.S. In some, in some ways. Is it similar sort of in, in data that these companies didn't install the legacy stuff 10 years ago, and so now they're able to put in really sophisticated uh, solutions? Uh, I think it is up to, up to a point, and I, I think the, the, the comparison is, is valid. There are uh, in the mobile, call it in e-commerce, we really saw this leapfrogging from a traditional bricks and mortars retail through to mobile uh, mobile e-commerce. And that skipping of the, the, the PC era means that Chinese um, e-commerce retailers have incorporated a lot of really neat tools that are specifically tailored to uh, leverage the benefits of, of being done through a mobile platform. I think with big data, it's slightly different. I would say that we have the promise of leapfrogging, um, mm -hmm. but there, but there are a number of barriers too. Uh, so I don't. I, I think it's important to highlight that we we see this great potential, 
but there's uh, a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done to realize that potential. Uh, put put in other words, John, we we see that while you know we're we have the benefit of not being encumbered by uh, legacy technology systems, there there are a lot of challenges to implementing big data in China, hmm. and a lot of that comes from a lack of uh, just call it data. Data, a lack of data capabilities across an institution. Mm-hmm. If you take a little bit of perspective and you think about, uh, you think about the the evolution of the Chinese economy. For so many years, John, the you know the um, the rational choice from a entrepreneur would be to focus on investment led growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's to say to just invest another dollar in building another store, uh, in building additional capacity, uh, because China broadly was uh, not, you know, didn't have enough capacity to meet all its demand. Mm-hmm. As the broader economy, uh, the growth in the broader economy starts to decelerate, we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs now have to start thinking a lot more about productivity-led growth, hmm. uh, and so that that is, I think, driven a lot of the interest in in big data. But but because they in the past hadn't really focused on productivity productivity led growth and thinking about data warehouse systems or or things like that, that means that their current capabilities, both in terms of the data that they're collecting and in turn of, and and in terms of internal data science capabilities, uh, are often substantially behind what you would see in an average. U.S. Uh, enterprise, hmm. uh, and that's that's changing. That's changing really quickly. Uh, and the really exciting thing is, there's you know we see in our in our clients uh, and just broadly in China a group of quite um, daring, frankly, entrepreneurs who, when they see an opportunity and they and they understand how much value can be brought from from a big data uh, system. Then they're really work to adapt that quickly and integrate the the principles uh, and and the tools across the enterprise in in a really frankly sometimes at a breakneck speed. Hmm. So what's the uh, sort of end goal in the smart data era? Something you might call a smart enterprise, or I think that, that you've called a smart enterprise. What what are the characteristics of a smart enterprise? So I think we see uh, a few things, a few char- key characteristics of so-called smart enterprises. I think, above all, at a first level, they demonstrate data awareness. At a most basic level, I think that that means that they've already done foundational work on systematically collecting data. This can be in various different forms, so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, it doesn't have to conform to any specific. Uh, model of data collection, but they need to have to have had captured this data systematically over or over a decent length of time. I think a second point about uh, data awareness is the company has to believe that these data will specifically influence actions within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's and, not just going to become kind of a beautiful dashboard that uh, you know someone glances at. That it that it becomes actionable in a real management sense. Uh, that's exactly right. So, what 
what we want to try to avoid at Talking Data is what we refer to as the the, the BI black hole. Hmm. Uh, we we just we worry that um, uh, beautiful dashboards are are great, um, but but we we try to deliver uh, a step. We try to deliver something that's a step further for our clients, which is uh, actions. So if it's substantially reducing marketing costs or making anti uh, using using big data tools to make their anti-fraud um, efforts more more robust mm-hmm. we, we want to try to link all of our actions to uh, all of our all of our um, work and our products to specific actions uh, and I think that this is also something that where the context of China is, is important John so I think that a characteristic of many Chinese entrepreneurs and and business leaders is they're imminently pragmatic. Mm-hmm. So if you can so if you can demonstrate so the the idea of big data they everyone will be interested in, uh, but there will quickly be uh, skepticism about big data as as I think in China as in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's a term that's uh, bantered around quite a bit uh, and and. Um, can be meaningful and uh, and somewhat cliched depending on, on how it's used. Um, but but if you're able to deliver and demonstrate pro- uh, clear, measurable results, um, then they you know they're as I said they're they're really they can be really keen to uh, embrace embrace the smart enterprise era in a in a in a very full way. Now uh, your colleagues are writing a report in which they talk about closed loop of data. And I assume this is a a closed loop between sort of the data side of the organization and the management side of an organization. wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the closed loop of data and how it's formed and what its significance is. So we see the closed loop of data as being four key steps that companies need to take to make sure that their data uh, collection, extraction, uh, and data actions are mutually reinforcing, uh, and so we we see this uh, you know, as you've highlighted, John. We see two critical components to this. We see it as having the right data tools in place, uh, and also having the right data um, data experts within a company. These can first come from outside consultants, um, such as the consulting services that Talking Data uh, offers. But hopefully, it really becomes an internal expertise. And these four steps that we see are data acquisition. So it's the harvesting and ingestion of data, uh, the organization, the preparation and enrichment of the data, uh, the the analytics, uh, extracting business insights, and then uh, business decisions. And then finally, and critically, to the data actions, so the deployment of the data to a specific uh, direct use case, and and then the assessment: uh, how how did that work? How can we improve? And what we see is, if you do these four steps, uh, if you think of them in as a as a loop, rather than a, a straight line output in a linear fashion, you really get the benefit of of multiple iterations. And what what we've seen. In our clients that have practiced this, uh, the 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 closed loop is there. They get substantial gains uh, over time 
in their insights and how they're able to manage and process their data. So you mentioned consulting, uh, that that's a, a big part of how clients implement this kind of thing. What's the role of, of uh, the consultant in, uh, you know, in a, in a smart data sort of solution? So what we see the role of the consultant as being is at, at, a, at a high level, it's to bridge the gap between our core products, our software, SaaS, and DAS solutions, uh, and action. So what, what we see is, is not every enterprise is immediately ready to be a smart enterprise. And if you just provide data and software services, they, they may be able to produce a pretty business intelligence report with that, but they really won't be able to transform their organization. Mm-hmm. So what, what we see is we see our consulting team as being a, a really important component at, at bridging the gap between a company's current capabilities and, uh, and our software solutions. Uh, and this can include advising on how to best organize yourself to take advantage of data. Um, it can be advice on infrastructure and which cloud partner to work with, uh, and and it can be implementation. But we find that by helping clients build the capabilities to specifically influence actions, it really it it helps them use big data tools in, in a meaningful way. Uh, in one that that they're likely to use uh, re- repeatedly and often because it has created so much value. And, and when you're installing uh, these kinds of tools, do you find that you're completely replacing the old data infrastructure that a company might have? Like, is that all sort of wasted infrastructure at this point? Or does it supplement it? Does it kind of become a new layer on top of it? So, John, we really see it's much more supplementing than replacing. I think that there's... There's a lot of value that's already captured in existing corporate uh, data warehouses. Um, what what we see is we we're providing an additional tool that lets you integrate that data that you may have captured on, for example, a, a CRM or ERM system, mm-hmm. and then integrate that more broadly with other data streams. Uh, so you can integrate that with data that we've collected or third-party data. Uh, and then another exciting thing is we've built a flexible system, so you can your you can use this data um, this this data platform. You can use it in broad and not necessarily linear ways. So you can that what I mean by that is you can be collecting it and have it at in a first instance be used towards, uh, for example, managing your your marketing uh, expenditures, but then. In the future, are are and will be rolling out a number of new applications. So you can use that same data set uh, in different and, and exciting ways. Excellent. Well, thank you, William. It's been a pleasure to speak today. I'll remind listeners that if you're interested in learning more about this closed loop and more about smart data in general, be sure to download uh, the new O'Reilly report called Implementing a Smart Data Platform. It's available on O'Reilly.com and through the link that's in the show notes that accompany this podcast episode. My guest today has been William Plummer, Chief Strategy Officer of Talking Data. Now, William, if listeners want to find you online, where should they look? 
Uh, so if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at william.plummer, P-L-U-M-M-E-R, at tendcloud.com, T-E-N-D-C-L-O-U-D.com. Uh, and for more information on Talking Data, you can visit our website at www.talkingdata.com. Excellent. William Plummer, thank you so much. Thank you so much, John.